If you're the sort of person who is even just mildly obsessive about the music you listen to, then you'll probably recognise the instinct to want to share those records with your friends. You may also have learnt over time that this is often met with indifference. Yeah, it's alright. Over time, you perhaps learn to keep it to yourself. I love this, and I'm not going to let your disinterest diminish my enthusiasm. It's your loss. But of course, you know it's also your own loss, because the instinct to share great art is born out of altruism. It also validates us to some extent. Are you hearing what I'm hearing? Yeah? It's amazing, isn't it? Temporary Fandoms is a group of music obsessives who've created a space where you can share your enthusiasm with other people. From time to time, you'll still meet with that indifference, but there are enough of us out there that you'll usually come across somebody who really does hear what you hear. It's an amnesty for those who want to foist their favourite records on each other. You might think that the Temporary Fandoms remit is to study the pantheon of supposedly great artists, and from time to time we will go there, but we're at our best when we're proceeding in a spirit of discovery, making one another listen to the obscure, the weird and the forgotten. It's in this spirit that we'll bring you the subject of today's episode, the butthole surfers. You know the drill by now, we'll pick our way through their complete discography, giving a blend of cultural context and an entirely personal opinion. So listen with us, and if you feel so inclined, join the discussion at facebook.com slash groups slash tempfans. Welcome back to Temporary Fandoms, episode five, I guess. I think it's five. I mean, the Mercury counts as two, right, Nick? It was two episodes, so yes. Exactly. So this is episode five. Um, looking at our, our podcast stats, we have a whole 70 unique listeners for the last oh, few right. episodes. Um, and obviously what you do when you are slowly building up a dedicated following of people um, by having things like the Pogues and the Mercury Prize and popular music that people <laughs> want to get into is you don't try to alienate them. Nick, what are we doing today? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be listening to the butthole surfers, Ewan. Sweet. <laughs> this is not the one I tell my mum about. I'm going to say that you know this one doesn't doesn't exist. Um, before we dive, in... okay, I'm I'm going to be honest here. There's going to be a lot of accidental and slightly deliberate butthole puns throughout this. I can't help myself. So before we dive into the butthole, um, let's quickly see who else we've got here. Some voices you may recognize because obviously you have listened to the Mercury Prize uh, episodes. We've got Brendan. Hey, Brendan. How's it going, Ewan? Not too bad. How are you? You know, fine. Ready to do this. Sweet. And we've also got Aaron. Hello there. Hey, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing amazingly. Good, good, good. Last time we heard from you guys, Aaron was talking about what album? I was talking about Michael Kiwanuka's self-titled album, Kiwanuka. That was it. Um, and Brendan had um, sports team. Was that correct? Yeah, deep down happy. It's all right. Still listen to it now and again. So. Sweet. Okay, so um, as I said, as we were coming in, this is episode five. But Nick, would you like to tell everybody about our new home? 
Oh, yeah. Okay. So the big news since our last podcast um, is that we now have a new home, which is on the website Beat Rehab. So we've got our own URL, which is beat.rehab slash tempfans, I believe. I didn't check that, actually. If I were more professional, I would have checked that before the podcast so that I could be sure. But I'm pretty sure that's right. There's, there's Google. They can Google Beat Rehab Temp Fans. Um, as if you want all the information, links to various things, the easiest places to go over there. We'll post some information about stuff we're doing over on the Facebook group occasionally. Um, but also, obviously, if you're listening to us on any of your normal pod things, we still exist there. And of course, there are the Spotify playlists where we slice the podcast and sort of take you through a guided listen, I guess. Um, usually we use the word curate, but I'm starting to really hate the word curate. Um, so hopefully we can find, find a new one. Um, okay, so to my shame, although I might have a totally different opinion after listening to, to this, this stack of records, um, I don't really know the butthole surfers. I, I feel I should, as they are very similar to a lot of bands I would have listened to in my sort of formative teenage years. Um, and in fact, the first time I even heard of them, I was handed a, a, a mixtape by my, by my mate Simon, who I think joined the Facebook group maybe last year. And it had lard, gay bikers on acid, half man, half biscuit, wedding present, and finished off with Hurdy Gurdy Man by the, the Butthole Surfers cover. And I loved that. I loved that whole thing, that, that whole tape. It was amazing. Hmm. And I never went and listened to anything else ever. Hmm. Nick, why am I wrong? <laughs> Well, Why was I wrong? Particularly because I know you're a big Gay Bikers on Acid fan. Uh, when, when I listened to Gay Bikers on Acid, it was obvious they'd been listening to the Butthole Surfers. And also just even just down to the way they named tracks, named their album. They were, they were, they were chasing the Butthole Surfers, I think. They, they, there was a moment they were supposed to work together uh, really? or tour together. And Gay Bikers on Acid released uh, a song called Fairway to Heaven, literally about golf. And Hairway to... Steven, which is the fourth album, third, fourth album, I can't remember, um, was coming out and there was apparently beef in the music press. And then they, but there was nothing. It was made up by scumbag music journalists. Um, Nick, why are you uh, well, a, a Butthole Surfers I, fan? I first discovered the Butthole Surfers as a sort of a teenager in the late 80s. Um, I was a big Dead Kennedys fan and records that came out on alternative tentacles always had like a kind of photocopied insert inside with a list of all the other bands you could order from alternative tentacles. And I guess at that time, like that, that was how you found your music and you kind of, you thought, this is what I like. I want more like that. And there were bands I discovered through that, like no means no, uh, the bottle surfers, Alice donut, uh, the Beatniks, a lot of bands that kind of, I would buy purely because they were alternative tentacles. And therefore I thought, well, I, that'll be amazing. And, um, in particular, I mean, there was only one, I think, only one Butthole Surfers record that came out on Alternate Tentacles, and it was the debut EP, which we will be listening to, uh, Brown Reason for Living, amongst other things. And, um, and and it was just so different to everything else I'd heard. It was insane. And I loved it. I just, I loved it. The, I mean, it's it's quite juvenile. It's very scatological. Um, but... I wanted everything to sound like that. I just thought it was incredible. And, and then 
And then also like a Rembrandt pussy horse, which went in another direction, which is a little bit more experimental and just weird. And, you know, I guess, I guess at that time I was into stuff like David Lynch as well. And I think, you know, there was a crossover there and that just that kind of weird okay. culture. So it was, it was, that, it was the weird alternative, like nothing else. Yeah. Vibe. It sounded so dangerous. And by all accounts, their early live shows probably were, I think. Okay. Okay. Um, I was going to go to Brendan, but Brendan seems to be walking across a garden at the moment. So I'm going straight to Aaron. Aaron, um, <laughs> I can't resist. Are you a butthole virgin? I'm editing that out. I'm sorry. No, you're not no, Aaron. Don't go there and then cut it out. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm very nearly a butthole virgin. Um, I don't know very much about them. I, I have heard a bit of the early stuff. I owned Electric Larry Land, but I wasn't a huge fan. It was one of those I bought in a in a dollar bin and I listened to it a couple times and just wasn't too, uh, just wasn't a big fan. Um, but they were on my radar because I worked with, uh, this one guy, Randy, who was, he, he was a, a groupie of them back when they were in Austin, when they're first getting started, he told me stories of their shows and they were just sounded like they're just mushrooms and acid and insanity. And, um, Daniel Johnson was a big fan. This, this guy, Randy was actually his, uh, his manager. He was one of the guys that Randy, that uh, Daniel actually attacked. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, 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 that, right? it was like, you know, the story about Daniel Johnson, where he wouldn't record on a record label because they'd signed, say, Metallica? Yes, right? it was. Um, and, and, and just, 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 for, just for a little bit, of, little bit of context, I have been, I'm, we'll be pushing to do a Daniel Johnson uh, episode, maybe in season. Yeah, sure. We should do that. But um, yeah, no, I think it was, it was Metallica. In fact, one of the things I did remember hearing about the whole surface, which didn't make me feel good about them, was that maybe they were the ones that introduced uh, psychedelic drugs to a man with bipolar. And I imagine it was a sort of yeah. shits and giggles type affair. And yeah. <laughs> well, there was, a, there was the interview in the documentary where he denied it, but he had this little smirk on his face where you could tell that he was lying. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I guess that's it. There's, there are, as Nick says, lots of stories of a proper rock and roll excess or punk excess or just excess uh, that I knew about with the butthole surfers. Okay, um, I'm going to go over to Brendan, but all I can see is a car. I think he's there. Brendan is there. Okay. Well, so, let's um, also, a mic in my... <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll do that again. I'll do that again. Um, okay, and finally, we got like we said, we got we got Brendan who is currently sitting in his car somewhere in Boston. Um, it's not in motion before anybody uh, worries. Uh, Brendan, uh, where are you? Are you on the? You, you know a lot about the butthole surfers. Nothing about the butthole surfers. Well, I mean, when you're growing up and you're you know you're starting to hear about new. Uh, weird bands out there and you stumble upon a name like butthole surfers it becomes that sort of contraband that you sort of need to have right you feel like oh my god this is the thing that's going to get me finally kicked out of the house if i have a record called butthole surfers and so you know once i heard the name i'm like my god i gotta get my hands in this of course it never left that stage of just being like oh i need to get my hands in this because i was a you know i was a good little boy but, um, but over time, you know, I picked up a uh, locust abortion technician. Certainly, I think my entryway was through Jesus Built My Hot Rod. Um, 
and uh, who was in my room, but I was definitely aware of P. I was sort of aware of him, but it really wasn't until I read Our Band Could Be Your Life, which is a phenomenal book to read about little chapter length histories about various underground bands in the 80s. And the Butthole Surfers chapter is, is so great, you want to read it out loud to any human being who's willing to listen. I mean, it's just chock-a-block with so many, I can't believe they actually did this stories that you, you just want to become a super fan. So I can imagine if I had not been in like grade school, but maybe like in, in college or something, I would have probably been all over this just for the sheer spectacle. Because, you know, some of the bands that I'm thinking of when I was older, like La Save Fav and Oxes, who had these ridiculous shows, you know, the music was almost immaterial, but I always think fondly of them. I feel like if I had been a little bit older, I would have felt that way about the Butthole Surfers. Yeah. Um, how do you pronounce the album? Was it P? No, P? No, no, no. He was talking about the band P, which was uh, the band that Gibby Haynes formed with Johnny Depp. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, I know nothing. Um, yeah. I rapidly realized on most of these episodes, I'm the guy that knows nothing. And in fact, the other day, my wife went, oh, you know that song? It was like really popular pop song. I was like, did you play it for me off Spotify? I went, never heard it in my life. And apparently it's like the third most downloaded song of all of the last 10 years. And I, no idea. And then I realized I have a mu I, I'm on a music podcast, so maybe I need to start listening to more stuff. So um, you have a deep knowledge of the gay bikers on acid, and that's really all that matters. I think so. I think so. Um, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to go off and listen to way too much Butthole Surfers. Um, I'm going to leave you, dear listener, in the capable hands of Nick, who is going to guide you through this. I mean, I can only apologize. This, this sort of... What's, what are you going to guide them through, Nick? <laughs> I'm going to guide you through the butthole surfers. You've got nine records to listen to. Um, in the playlist version, you'll get two tracks from each record. Um, but really, go and listen to it all, because it's amazing. Except towards the end, when it's not so good. But, you know. <laughs> well, in that case, Nick's going to guide you through the good, and then the bad, and then we're going to come back at the end and we'll see you in probably about an hour of your time. Um, we'll tell you what we think, and then you can disagree with us. You can come over onto the Facebook group and subscribe to podcasts and like playlists and all of the stuff I'm supposed to tell you to do. And Nick will be back after this. This is the bit where I'm supposed to record the titles, but... Um... The Bottle Surfers debut EP is a little vague on the title front. It's sometimes just called The Bottle Surfers, sometimes PP the Sailor, sometimes Brown Reason to Live. Anyway, it was released in 1983. We start with an EP to break you in gently, although on Spotify you'll find it lumped in together with the early live recording, Live PCPPEP. This latter release is comprised mostly of the same tracks, but is worth listening to for a glimpse of their turbulent live experience. There's a time to shit, and a time for God. The last shit I took was pretty fucking odd. In this couplet from the opening track, you find the essence of the butthole surfers. It is both scatological and absurd, 
and to complete the effect, it is accompanied by the musical equivalent of a particularly violent voiding of the bowels. One is seldom closer to God. The butthole surfers have their origins in San Antonio, Texas. The brainchild of willfully idiotic frontman Gibby Haynes and like-minded guitar botherer Paul Leary. Formed in 1981, they're considered part of the 80s US hardcore scene, but in Texas at that time, there wasn't much of a scene to speak of. Haynes and Leary were outliers from the start. Just like the legend about how they got their name, they performed under a different name every show until one just stuck. Their debut release is a little unstable on the name front. I always thought of it as a brown reason for living, which was scratched into the run-out groove of the EP, but is variously known as a bunch of other things. Who cares? It's a glorious mess. Released on Jello Biafra's Alternative Tentacles label after the Dead Kennedys frontman saw one of their shows and realised that these guys needed to be captured for posterity. If you make it through the first track, you'll be rewarded with a genuinely delightful hey. Two tracks in and you've already heard both ends of the butthole spectrum. You see, in interviews, the butthole surfers claimed they were deliberately trying to make unlistenable music. Thankfully for all of us, they failed. I find their debut EP a joyous slab of incendiary noise, and if I'm in a receptive mood, it makes me very happy indeed. Rockabilly is always at its best when it's played like a machine on the brink of collapse, and it seldom sounds closer to such disarray as in the butthole surfers' hands. You'll hear snatches of beef fart in Wichita Cathedral, sinister lynchian creeping noise in Barbecue Pope, and spirited hardcore punk in Suicide. Listen to it for yourself, because I'll be damned if I can do it justice with words. <laughs> 